This, this is The Industry. A show built by the working class for the working class. If you have a job, this is the podcast for you. Here is your host, Levi Jett. Back to the industry. It is Tuesday, February 28, 2023. It remains hot, not hot, but warm across most of the country, and we're still in winter. Uh, we have, what, around 22, 23 days to go into the spring solstice. Um, but February continues to be a much above average month. I saw this morning on the news that. Um, Indianapolis spared <clears throat> seven degrees warmer um, than average for the month of February. It was a 40 degree average temperature in Indiana uh, for the month. So, and that accompanies uh, really no snowfall in the month um, and just storm after storm where we find ourselves on the warm side of things. Now, the same cannot be said for everyone as places like California and along the West Coast continually get pounded with snow in the higher elevation. Uh, the current winter storm going on there right now is likely to produce uh, four to five feet of snow in places. And if you've been able to see any pictures uh, from out there, they are wild. Um, they've seen feet of snow already. Seemingly every storm that comes through is dropping feet of snow in those higher elevations, but the pictures of uh, people's cars being absolutely buried in snow, um, even their houses being absolutely buried in snow. And it's not necessarily drift as it is just sheer accumulation. Um, But they are some pretty wild pictures and videos to see if you get a chance to check those out. Today, uh, the Northeast is experiencing uh, their own winter storm, and nothing quite like that happening out there, but um, some locations definitely picking up some snowfall. And the Northeast has been another another area of the country that has kind of missed out on a lot of winter type of precipitation. Um, but we will check in with the WeatherWorks team now to get the uh, the official word on weather for this week. Michael, take it away for Thanks, Levi. I'm meteorologist Michael Prianti at WeatherWorks Consulting and a producer of the Weather Lounge podcast. Well, the West has been quite active this past weekend, especially across California, where heavy snow and flooding rains barreled the state. More than seven inches of rain fell in Ventura County on Saturday into Sunday, causing flash flooding. Lots of car rescues as well. Certainly not a good situation there. Also caused flights to be disrupted, even a ground stop certainly left uh, a lot of flights uh, canceled or delayed across LAX and 100,000 power outages across the state from that storm. 
and across the higher elevations in Southern California, it was more in the way of snow. Lower elevation snow, actually, below 1,000 feet, even saw a couple of flakes. And in these spots, they saw a couple of inches of snow. These places aren't normally seeing snow during this time of the year, so it certainly caused a lot of tree limbs and even trees to fall down. And in San Bernardino County, there was a local emergency. Snow trapped many in their houses up in the mountainous communities as, again, they had multiple feet of snow, which, again, led to a lot of those buildings also having some roof failures and, of course, people being trapped. So what are we expecting here in the Northeast? Well, to start off Monday evening into Tuesday morning, a snowstorm moving into the Northeast, causing snow, sleet, and even some rain. Northwest of the 95 corridor is where most of the snow has fallen, about 3 to 6 inches with some spots in higher elevations over 6 inches of snow and sleet. That'll be coming to an end heading through Tuesday morning. And then, of course, we'll have some drizzle on the backside of it. Watch for some ice heading into the overnight. The rest of the week is uh, pretty quiet overall. We are going to be keeping an eye on a late system that comes in on Friday. And, of course, it will be more of a snowy rain, sleet, snow kind of situation. Farther south into the mid-Atlantic, this will be mostly rain. Could even see some rumbles of thunder and some heavier rain. But up into New England, we're looking at possibly another decent-sized storm with snow going over to heavy sleet, freezing rain, and then plain rain with those higher elevations likely staying wintry through Saturday morning. That's all we have for this week. Now back to you, Levi. Thank you so much, Michael. Appreciate that update. Seven inches of rain. Um, out in California, that just shows how much moisture um, just con- continues to churn off of the coast and uh, spill in over land there. Seven inches of rain, that is a crazy amount of moisture um, to fall just out of one storm. But thank you so much, Michael and the WeatherWorks team for another great update for us here on the industry. Um, so we'll get into some stuff here in a sec. I want to talk about culture. I actually heard, um, a pretty cool short little story about culture that I wanted to share with you and, and then some extra thoughts about that. Um, but before we get to that, I wanted to address kind of a serious issue. Um, so my, my stepdaughter Bailey, um, she was born with, uh, cystic fibrosis. And so the first few years of her life, you know, were spent fighting for her life um, at Riley Children's Hospital in, in Indianapolis. And, you know, through um, efforts made by the doctors, through the medicine, through hard work on her own, you know, she survived and, um, you know, can, continues to lead, you know, a somewhat normal life. Um, and it's been five years since she was last admitted to the hospital. Um, I think it was maybe a year ago, year and a half ago, uh, she started a medicine called Trikafta, and which is a medicine for cystic fibrosis. And it has really, really helped her out. Um, but over the last few weeks, she's not really been feeling that good. Um, and so last night, my wife took her to the hospital, um, and they've admitted her. And so that's, that's kind of why this episode's being, re- being released a little later in the day. Um, you know, just have some stuff here going on at home. But if you, uh, you know, if you're a believer, if you're the praying type, 
um, you know, I ask that you, uh, you know, send us some prayers uh, for Bailey. And uh, I, I don't think it's anything too serious right now, but, you know, they're um, uh, making sure she's on fluids and, 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 and watching her. And so, um, but yeah, we'll, hopefully it's not going to be a very long stay. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. So just wanted to update everyone on that. Um, and if anyone out there is looking, you know, to, uh, to donate to a charity, um, two right off the top of my head would be to donate to Riley Children's Hospital in Indianapolis um, or also the 55 Growth Foundation. Um, the, the 55 Growth Foundation has done a lot to help, um, I think, pay for that tricapture that Bailey takes. Um, it's, it's crazy expensive medicine. Um, and, you know, this may help with, with grants and stuff like that um, for not only medicine, but treatment as well. Um, so, again, you know, just um, my two cents on, you know, if you're, if you're looking <clears throat> to give back to a charity, um, you know, check out the Pacific Fibrosis Foundation um, for sure. So, all right. Um, I was scrolling Twitter. Um, a couple of days ago, and came across this story about uh, Kansas University, the Jayhawks, um, out of Lawrence, Kansas, and their basketball team. And their basketball team is mandated to take an eight-week culture class before they even have their first practice. This class isn't for a grade. Um, it, it's not a pass or fail sort of thing. It's just, you know, something you have to sit through, participate, listen to. But it's eight weeks long. And, but it's, it, it's a, it's a course to teach, um, new members coming into the basketball program, the culture of the basketball program. And I've seen that their football program does this too. And right away, you know, I was kind of taken aback by because I'm sure there's other universities out there that do something similar. Um, but, you know, to me, it's, you know, this is the first that I've heard about, you know. And so the course it teaches, you know, like the history of the program. Um, you know, history meaning, you know, the, the winning seasons, the championship seasons, the conference championships, the lows that go along with that, because not every year is a winner. You know, the players that have come through, the players that have come through and went on to the NBA, the players that have come through and went on to be an accountant or a doctor or, you know, operations manager at a, at a factory or, a, um, you know, logistics supervisor, you know, whatever. But sharing that message of what that program has been like, it, it teaches, you know, what it takes to succeed there. And also what's expected by the program. What's the type of culture that you can expect being a player there? So let's face it, you know, I mean, college, um, and not dissimilar to finding a job, you, know, you have to find the right fit. You know, you have to find something that makes sense to you. 
And so I think right right away, one of my takeaways for the this culture class is that it gives a it gives a kid a chance to to see what that culture is about and, and to see if you know it, it feels right to them, right? And so what ends up doing that eight week course is it creates an intended atmosphere that begins on day one of practice. And intended atmosphere. You know, this is an atmosphere that they are creating by having this class. They are creating the exact atmosphere they want these kids to come out in when they suit up for the first day of practice. And there's buy-in on day one. You hear coaches, you know, sometimes talk about, you know, getting buy-in from the team. And, the, you know, the team kind of has to buy in to, you know, or drink the Kool-Aid, right? They, they they have to go along with what your train of thought is. And, but generally, you know, once everyone's drinking the Kool-Aid, that's when you have the best results. Because now everyone's pushing toward that same goal, whatever it is. But it's buy-in from day one. Day one of practice, you have buy-in. And really that buy-in starts, I'm sure, at some time, at some point in that eight-week course. It is when it's really starting to click and, you know, things are kind of coming together. Um, that, you know, by the time you get out of that eight-week course, I imagine, like, you're chopping at the bit, ready to suit up ready to go, ready to go play for Kansas. You're a Jayhawk. Rock Chalk Jayhawk. And you're ready to go. So it's that intensity that they're building to be unleashed on day one. They're not wasting any time. And so seeing the Hearing this story, you know, I start thinking, can this be stolen from athletics and repurposed or applied to the corporate? And onboard training usually has a component of, you know, company history, um, company values, that sort of thing. But it's not really the thing. You know, that, that's usually a, a segment of training that, you know, may take you know, two to four hours if, if you have a really, um, really proud company that, you know, wants to spend that much time talking about. But, you know, it, it's often wrapped up in an hour or two. And... So, of course, you know, you're not going to have the exact same result if you compare it just by the length of time that you're going to talk about culture. But, again, it's just not the same. So, what is the main objective of this class, of this culture class? To me, it's to get buy-in. 
That's what it's about, is to get buy-in. And to win hearts and minds. And to align focus. Because like that's something that in sports, especially you know, in college, there's so many distractions that you have to have that focus. It needs to be a singular focus on basketball. Or it needs to be a singular focus on you know, when, when you're coming into practice, you're coming into the weight room, um, you're coming into a game, that focus needs to be singular. And through this culture class, you're going to be able to attain that. So then to me, the question really becomes, how do we how do we create buy-in? How do we create an environment that encourages buy-in from the employees? And I think that that's kind of the biggest takeaway here for the corporate world. But the second question is how do you do it in the first eight weeks that someone's important? Because granted, you know, you, you you're not gonna spend their first eight weeks in some culture class, right? That, that, that's that's the that's not gonna happen anywhere and uh, and then for for good reason too. Um, but you still need to, in my opinion, teach that culture, teach the values, teach this type of stuff we're talking about over the course of that first eight weeks. Because really after a couple of months of someone being somewhere, by that point, it's kind of that teetering line. By that point, you're hoping the employee has buy-in, that, that they like what they see. They see a future. They want to be there. They understand what's going on. They understand how they impact the company. Because the other way is two months in and they're like, man, you know, I, I don't know. And the person who says that isn't necessarily lost, but you want that buy-in. Now you ask, okay, what are you going to do over those eight weeks? You know, what are you going to teach? And, and how does that look? You know, and to me, maybe it looks like it's an hour a day that's spent on, and again, maybe it's a it's a different class, um, or a different subject each day, but you're working through to get to a level 
or you're working to get them to have a well-rounded education on your company and the culture there over that span time. And if you think about it, I mean, hour a day commitment, I mean, that's a pretty good chunk of time spent talking about company culture. During this time, you're going to teach the new players that you're bringing in the company's history, right? Good and bad and indifferent. The accomplishments of the team they're joining. You know, hey, this was Frank. He was top in sales in the district. You know, um, hey, this is Margaret. You know, she's won, um, I don't know, you know, an industry award for human resources. You know, this is Jack, and you know he's a he's a volunteer fireman. He's a chief of the department. But you know, talk the team up and and share the accomplishments. People like being around a winner. You know, make it feel like they're coming into an environment where everyone's a winner. And I'm, I'm not saying everyone gets a trophy. Everyone type thing. But I'm saying that you know, show them that. This company brings in good people. You know, we didn't hire you because you're mediocre. We hired you because you're a high performer. Here, meet the other high performers you'll be working with. Teach them how the company stands compared to its competitors. You know, try to explain the, the landscape of the competition around the area. You know, how the company fits in amongst the competitors. That's good to know. Right? It's good to know how you how you're different. It's good to know how you're similar. You know, don't don't fear that if you show them competitors, they're going to view that as, you know, potential employers. You know, have that have that faith and the trust that you pick the right person for the job. And they're going to look at the competitors like they're sworn enemies, as they should. To learn the company's place in the community. And, you know, any charitable um, sort of acts or things they participate in. You know, that's a pretty big one. To see what the company's role is in the community. Then you're going to take it a step further. You know, you're going to get a little bit personal with them. You're going to show them how they fit in the company, both professionally and personally. You're going to explain and show them what the future looks like for not only themselves, but the company too. And right away, that employee is going to feel valued. They're going to feel like they are a legitimate part of that company. Because if if your boss brings you on and says, hey, here's the path to success all lined out for you to go accomplish. 
And then he's also saying, hey, you know, here's the company's direction and here's what we intend to do over the next several years. Here's where we want to be. Here is how you fit into that puzzle. Not only that, here are our competitors. Here's what they're doing. Now, here's what we're doing differently from them. That's going to give us an advantage. Here's how we fit in the community. You know, every Christmas we do X, Y, Z. Every Thanksgiving we do this. You know, we help out um, a couple of youth sports teams. And we sponsor, you know, we're a gold member sponsor at the uh, local marching band competition. Once a person has that much information about something, they're in a really, really good spot then to make decisions. And so the decision then is, hey, is, is this company right for me or is it not? But a high percentage of the time, if you treat employees like that, they're going to stay. Not only are they going to stay, but you're going to have buy-in on day one when they're done with this eight-week course. As I just said a minute ago, you're, you're telling them how everything is. You're giving them that pep talk. You're turning them into an animal that is ready to get after it. You're, you're, you're building that motivation into them. Because the worst thing is to not do any of this and to let their mind wander. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge person that is at fault of this, right? My mind wanders all the time and usually goes to like the worst places that it could. Um, and, you know, I'm always, you know, uh, sometimes I'm right, but, you know, still, like, I'm always thinking of uh, conspiracies and, you know, what if and stuff like that. And so if, if I'm a new employee coming in somewhere and this is not being told to me, and so I'm kind of left to figure it out for myself, that's when I might, you know, start to infer some stuff that, you know, just isn't true. But I start to kind of develop my own my own truths of what I uncover and discover. But again, you know, in, in that same stretch of time, eight weeks, I may have painted a very different picture of this company than what it actually is because I was left to my own my own head to figure it out. But if it's being force fed to me an hour a day for eight weeks, I'm gonna come out with a very, very, very different mindset. See, coaches and college programs, they understand the importance of this buying. Because when you're thinking about something like sport, it's not professional where you can play for 20 years. Each kid's going to be there for four years. I think, I think they have like five years of eligibility. So if you want to play, play next season, you go. And nowadays, if you didn't know, college sport has the NIL thing 
which is essentially uh, paying college athletes to play. So now the way it works is if a kid doesn't like the team, they can transfer somewhere and get more money offered to them from another team. They can hold out. And so it makes buy-in even that much more important because now you're competing against cold hard cats. And, you know, Kansas is a basketball team that is very prevalent. They have a great history and a great program. And they'll continue to have, they'll, they'll continue to field a good team year after year after year. But there are just as many, not maybe just as many, but there are a lot of teams out there that are just as good, if not better than Kansas. So how do you get the advantage? How do you gain the tactical advantage of making your program stand out? And it's this right here. It's developing an eight-week uh, culture class program for everyone to participate in before practice, before practice even starts. And that's a requirement to be on the team. But I, I would be interested to know what the statistic is at Kansas with someone having gone through that eight-week course and kids that signed to play with Kansas and end up leaving before that eight-week course. Like what? What? retention rate is there if you look at those two different uh, groups of people. So you have one group that went through the eight-week course. You know, how many of those guys leave percentage-wise? And then how many kids sign their letter of intent, whatever it's called, but end up transferring before they even make it to that class. I'd be curious to see what that's like. See what those numbers are. But the coaches and the athletic directors, again, they understand that importance of buy-in and getting it early and often. But I think it's something that is largely missing from the corporate world and corporate culture. I just do. And, and hey, maybe it's, it's something as simple as, you know, uh, company culture isn't as exciting as culture would be for a Division One basketball player. And I'll, I'll, I'll give that argument, you know, it's due diligence, right? You know, like, yeah, okay. I mean, uh, I'm sure, you know, guys on the, the Jayhawks basketball team are having um, more fun than most of us, but still, like we're we're not all athletes playing college sport or professional sport. We're we're teachers, we're nurses, we're electricians and plumbers, we're IT professionals, we're snow professionals, landscape professionals. But we should 
really care about the culture of where we work. And we should be proud of it. And we should want our other co-workers and colleagues to drink the Kool-Aid. To really build something special. And if that culture exists, it's going to lower turnover. It's going to raise the level of applicant you get applying for your jobs. And it's going to raise the level of you know, new hire, too. But it's going to do nothing but good things for any firm that, that tries this out. But this is something that I'll be you know, preaching to my consulting clients for sure. Something they, sh they should consider as they continue to grow and continue to gain employees. And again, maybe it's, it doesn't need to be eight weeks at the beginning. Maybe it's something that starts off as, you know, four weeks or two weeks. But I'm, I'm, the need for it cannot be overstated. So really, I, I challenge, I challenge you, the listener, to take stock, take inventory of what your company is doing for culture, how you're developing it. How are you creating buy-in? What is that process? You know, buy-in and culture aren't just these magical things. They should be real and tangible, and you should be able to track them. But I would challenge you to think about this. Give it some thought, and maybe see how you can apply it to where you work. But we're about to wrap this episode up. Before we do, a couple notes. Um, you can catch me at the Thymus Symposium Wednesday, June 14th in Hartford, Connecticut. Um, I will be talking about and uh, showing off the mock storm concept. Um, so putting together a really cool presentation for the folks that will be there in attendance. I think uh, my little presentation there will be a couple hours. So definitely worth stopping by. Um, and then also I will be, you can catch me at uh, two No Fighters Institute events. Uh, one is a operations forum that's going to be held in Michigan that's June 27th and 28th. And then there is another operations forum in Ben Salem, uh, Pennsylvania. And that would be September 6th and 7th. So for those that um, might be interested in uh, checking me out, um, can't quite make it to Connecticut, you might look at that, uh, that Michigan event for the Snowfighters Institute. That's a little closer to the Midwest. Um, and then the, the Ben Salem, uh, that'll be fun too. That's going to be at a, uh, at a cat facility. Um, so Always going to be a, a cool time at CAT, and uh, CAT guys are really good at um, being good hosts, going off all, all the equipment they have, and um, again, locally for, for those people out of the Ben Salem area, um, 
you know, they'll be there to talk about you know, what they can do for your business. So really cool. And, and then the Michigan one is actually going to be at the uh, the hot pink, the icer guy. Uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, but it is up in Brighton, Michigan, the hot pink, the icer. So that's going to be a fun one, too. I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, we'll see how that's going to be hosted. But again, if you are interested in those events, uh, you can check out snowfightersinstitute.com and uh, click on any of the events and click the details button to learn more. And the same goes for the Simon Symposium. Um, you can go to, let me see, I think it's Sima.org. Um, let's see. Yeah, you can go to show.sima.org um, to pull up the webpage for the 26th Snow and Ice Symposium. So please check out both of those. would love to see you at either one or all three. Um, but also please like our Facebook page, Radar Podcast. Um, let people know about us and help spread the word. We appreciate the listenership we have. And of course, we're always looking to add to that. Um, but that's about it for this week. So until next time, I will see you later. Thanks for listening to The Industry, a show built by the working class for the working class. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you're at it, help us spread the word by leaving a rating and review.